podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast and a... <laughs> A couple days, uh, a couple days late here because we were up into the wee hours on Saturday celebrating a Texans win, and then we had to wait and see how Sunday played out to see what the Texans situation would be in the playoffs. But here we are: Texans are AFC South division champs for the seventh time in the history of the franchise, and we're going to break it all down for you here over the next several minutes. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610, joined as always by the Hall of Famer. And our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, this was easily the most improbable of all the division titles the Texans have ever had. Didn't clinch it until Sunday when Jacksonville lost to Tennessee. The Texans never took a snap, John, all season long in first place in the AFC South. And here they are, AFC South champions. How about that? It was amazing. It was a great weekend for football. Everybody in Houston cheering for the Titans and Mike Vrabel, and they beat the Jaguars to give the Texans the division title, which means they get a rematch against the Browns. Isn't it amazing, Sean, no matter who's coaching or playing? 2018, they were loaded with stars, 11-5, and five, won the division, playoff schedule, early Saturday game. They've done it every time. It's amazing how they put them in that early game. But I can't wait to see how they played with Stroud against Joe Flacco and the Browns, that's going to be a great Saturday. Yeah, John, let's circle back to Saturday for just a little bit. We'll, you know, the Browns will have plenty of time to talk about the Browns this week um, as we get ready for them again. I mean, this this is almost it almost feels like the Tennessee situation where we played them twice in a three-week period. Now the Brown, here come the Browns, and it's twice in about a three-week period as well, three, four weeks, whatever it is. Um, but we'll talk about them later this week, and we'll get to four stock up and four stock down to acknowledge individual performances in just a second. But, John, what was – what was your biggest takeaway from the Texans' win over the Colts on Saturday night? Well, the good one, and well, I'm going to so it doesn't affect stock down. Yeah. But on the good one was the way Stroud played on the big stage, first time in his brief NFL career, no turnovers, you know, through the early dagger. And even though the, the uh, Colts rallied, but uh, for them to be able – to for him to play so well two touchdowns 134 rating a rookie just continues to blow me away john i can't think of a, um, i can't think of any mistakes he really made in that game either i can't think of a single time he put the ball in harm's way he took some huge hits in that game the game winning drive he converted he got him out of second and 20 and second and 14 and second and 13 the degree of difficulty for what they did collectively as an offense and probably stroud individually on a scale of one to ten, was like a twelve. I mean, they, and it was a lot of it was a lot of self inflicted stuff, right? You know, penalties, tackles for loss. Anytime you're behind the chains, it's always something you did wrong. Um, but I, you know, look, I I can't think of even good Texan teams that we've watched recently that would be able to get out of down and distance situations. That many of them on the road in the fourth quarter. He's just remarkable, John. He's unflappable. Um, and the connection with him and D'Amico Ryan's like I mean, I don't know, about you, I don't know how you. Um, consume things after the game's over. I couldn't stop watching over and over again all the stuff from Sports Center afterwards where these guys all have the national stage to themselves for the first time all year. And it was so cool to see 
the the national folks on ESPN, all of whom knew about CJ Stroud because you see the highlights and he was, you know, he played at Ohio State, all this stuff. They, everybody knows he's having a good season. But to see people react to it who hadn't been able to watch him play to play like you and I have throughout a game is just a really, really cool feeling. You know, it's just a really cool feeling. And I do know this. If I were a Carolina Panthers fan, I said this to the folks I was watching the game with on Saturday after that first touchdown that CJ threw to Nico Collins. I looked around the room. I said, if I was a Carolina Panthers fan, I would stop watching football right now after that play, after that 75-yard touchdown. Like, I, I I, wouldn't be able – there's no way. I wouldn't be able to watch football anymore, watching C.J. Stroud, who they could have had, just dealing on a national stage like he was. And the Panthers fired their general manager, Scott Fitterer, on Monday morning. And uh, that was a great play call by Bobby Slowick because it worked. At worst, it would have showed them how they're willing to go deep, uh, even though they were missing – there are three of their four wide receivers who were injured. But uh, I thought that the way they came out and attacked and were aggressive, that was great. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the, uh, we'll get to this later, but the Colts are going to be haunted throughout the offseason cool. by that fourth down call. But it was such a team game. There's, there's only two things I can think negative that happened to the Texans, and, and I'm really looking forward to see uh, how they will – cover Amari Cooper in the Cleveland game. And the, there's no guarantee Browns are going to win. They're favored, but it wouldn't surprise me if they don't win it, just like winning on the road. Isn't it strange? Texans have not lost an AFC South game on the road in the last two seasons when they were terrible and then when they were real good. I don't know what it is about the road that brings out the best in them to win those games, whether they're underdogs or our favorites, but it's amazing what they've done in their division. John, do you want to just create a narrative and say that actually one of the benefits of having so many away fans at NRG Stadium toughens the Texans up when they go on the road, <laughs> that they're used to it? They do it 17 times a year, basically, at least during the bad years they did. I think that's going to change next year, by the way. I think that's, as you've pointed out, you know, the reason why a lot of the um, – like, for example, the Denver game, like week 13, like, why are there all these Denver fans still here? The Texans are good. As you pointed out, a lot of these fans sold their tickets before the season started. Um, I, I think that dynamic is going to shift this this offseason. Uh, I agree 100%. Texan fans are going to hang on to their tickets. I think it was Stephanie Stradley who had that uh, fans of the Browns coming on the Texans message boards and acting like they're Texans fans. And if anybody has any tickets, I've never been able to go. I've been saving for this one game. So it's almost like a Browns scam. Oh, it's, oh, that is, that's dirty. That's a dirty <laughs> pool right there. That is dirty pool. All right. Okay. Now I've got a little extra layer of hate for the Browns. Okay. This is good. This is good. I got to pace myself, John. Got to pace myself. Um, all right, let's get to because we know you got to uh, you've got your your hits that you need to do on various outlets today. So let's make sure we get to four stock up and four stock down for the Texans' performance in Week 18 uh, against the Indianapolis Colts, a playoff clincher, and then the Jags' loss on Sunday is a division clincher. Texans 10 and seven on the season. John, the honor is yours, Your Honor. Well, obviously, C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, but I got another one. You know, that that secondary that was so bad against the Browns, that secondary was great against the Colts. Derek Stingley Jr. did not allow a completion. So I'll say Derek Stingley Jr. and the coverage. Michael Pittman, after the first series, he had 106 catches, over 1,100 yards. He had 
two catches for 21 yards. Alec Pierce, their big receiver, was targeted four times. He didn't catch a pass. Okay, so I was going to – thank you. I, I'm like, did Alec Pierce play in the game? Like, right, I can't. he went deep one time and against Kareem Jackson, and they didn't test him. And Troy Aikman said, I think if I was, I'd throw it up as man coverage and test Kareem Jackson in that situation. But the coverage was outstanding, led by Derek Stingley, as usual. Yeah, Stingley. Stingley made a nice play on the ball on on uh, one of the throws they had to the tight end over the middle there. Uh, Stingley, getting him back healthy the second half of the season has been a big reason why this team is in the postseason now for sure. Stingley's been great, no doubt about that. Um, John, I'm going to go stock up. Yeah, it's almost like CJ and Nico are almost too obvious. Uh, they were both uh, incredible. Nico had his best game as a pro on the national stage. Nico made a lot of money on Saturday night. I think he's, he's the, he, cause he did everything. Like he made every type of catch in the book, um, deep balls, screens, Runs slants, over people, trucking people. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go Dalton Schultz. And I know if you look at the box score, you're going to say, okay, well pretty much anybody not named Nico didn't really blow up the numbers or anything like that. He had five catches for, I think 46 yards, but on that game winning drive, for the touchdown, Dalton Schultz was huge. They got behind the chains three different times. I think the most underrated offensive play in that game, John, the play that won't show up on Sports Center, you know, something like that. Like all of Nico, you know, five of Nico's catches are going to show up on Sports Center, angry runs, all that stuff. The second and 20, where CJ found Dalton Schultz out, you know, kind of extended flat. And Schultz made the first guy miss and then went and got about seven or eight more yards to make it third and three on second and 20 was, I thought was one of the most underrated plays of the game, you know, because that was still at a time in the second half where things were a little dicey for the Texans, got him into third and manageable. And then he was the one that caught the pass to convert the third down. He had four catches for 37 yards on that drive and they were all meaningful catches on that drive. So I'm going to go Dalton Schultz stock up and my hope, John, he needed six catches to get his $250,000 bonus. He wound up with 59 catches. I'm hoping that the McNairs make an exception here and rework his contract to say he only needed 59 catches because those catches that he had on that drive were worth more than just one catch in the box score. I want Dalton Schultz to get paid. Well, first of all, I think Nick. that's up to Nick Casario because the McNairs are never going to hold, hold him back because of money, and I'd be stunned if Nick doesn't do that for him because teams are doing it around the league. Now, if you do it, of course, it has salary cap ramifications. And I think that 17-yard gain was the most underrated play in the game, not the most overall because that'd be a touchdown. But you're right. That was the clutch play behind this, not behind the scenes, but that a lot of people didn't understand what a physical guy he was. And, boy, Nick Casario – He'll gladly pay a lot of money for players because they're earning it. And you hope Schultz is re-signs here because they don't have a tight end. Saul yeah. Bear right now is their backup tight end. He's a big blocker. Brevin Jordan's more like an H-back, but Schultz was tremendous. Yep, absolutely. What's your next stock up, John? Well, I'm going to, since we're staying away from CJ and Nico, I'm going with Christian Harris. Christian Harris had 12 tackles. He had a sack on a blitz. He had one knockdown. Tackle for loss. He covered well. Everybody covered well. You know, Gardner Minshew threw for 141 yards. He completed 13 of 24. He was 71.7. And Christian Harris did a great job of covering as well as tackling. 
he just continues to get better as the season progresses, and they need another big game from him against the Browns. Yeah, he's been great the second half of the season. And his tackles, John, you know, like you look in the box score, like, oh, so-and-so had 13 tackles or eight tackles. I feel like Christian Harris's 12 tackles, like I remember like nine of them because of how he arrives at the football. Like he, his tackles are like, he he hits hard, Christian Harris. He's a physical, physical football player. And he's played really, really well, no doubt about that. Um, John, my last stock up, and this may be a matter of opinion, stock up or stock down, but I'm a stock up guy because I like when the schedule has marquee games on it. And now that we've got a quarterback who can stand toe-to-toe with the best quarterbacks in the league and a whole offseason to get ready for next year, I'm going stock up on the Texans' schedule next year because they won the division. Their three variable games are now going to be against other division leaders and you know whichever, the, you know, whichever divisions the schedule dictates they cross over and play. The Texans picked up a home game against the Ravens, a road game against the Chiefs, and a road game in Dallas next year. That is difficult, but that is fun. And they might play on Thanksgiving in Dallas, John. A Thanksgiving Day game in Dallas between the Texans and the Cowboys. Are you here for it? I'm here for it. <laughs> we'll see next year when they're playing a schedule if it's a stock up. You're a stock down guy on this. I can tell by the look on your face. You're a stock down guy on this difficult schedule. It's the only bad thing about winning division. Will they be ready for that schedule? Based on what we've seen, yes. And you know they're going to have a, another good draft and free agent period. You just hope they're able to keep a lot of these guys whose contracts are up. Um, I, uh, You ready for the stock downs? I'm ready for the stock, stock down, down, but John, I just real quick, I'm ready for the stock down. But the home schedule next year is the three division games, Detroit, Chicago, Buffalo, Miami, and Baltimore. That's that's a – I know, but at least those Big games are schedule. Home, Big yeah. boy schedule. Big boy schedule. All right, now I'm ready for stock down, John. The run defense. The run defense, which was worse than the NFL, historically bad last year, been great this year, tied for third going in, giving up 88 yards a game. My goodness, what happened? The linemen, the linebackers, they were getting steamrolled too much. You know, not having Jonathan Grenard again, and then Will Anderson hardly playing because of his ankle injury was catastrophic. And they ran for 227 yards and a 6.1 average. And I thought, sure, they would shut down Jonathan Taylor, as they did Derrick Henry, and they shut him down to the tomb of 188 yards, 30 carries, 6.3 average, 49-yard touchdown. And why in the world Shane Steichen did not give him the ball on fourth and one is something that will be debated throughout the offseason. Well, I, and uh, debated is a good word because I think you can make an argument either way, John, because, yeah, they gave up 188 yards on 30 carries. But at one point in the game, Jonathan Taylor had like 17 carries for 160 yards. Like his last 13 carries, he didn't get more than 25 or 30 yards. Like they had slowed him down at that point. In the game. John, the reason they were in fourth and one is because Jonathan Taylor couldn't convert third and two. You know, he got stopped on third and two. The Texans had figured some things out in the run defense in the fourth quarter. D'Amico pointed that out. Like, overall, it wasn't great. But when we needed to, we made plays. And I would say that the the, the play call, the play was there. I mean, the dude was open. If he just catches the football, he it's a first down. He passes all year. Throwing a ball to a guy like that was was just ridiculous. Yeah, see, yeah, see I don't I, – I, like, I don't – it's ill-advised for sure. And I get what you're saying. Like, I, I just – I. I don't, I don't, I don't, ridiculous is a little far. I would go, I would say that's a little far. Like the play was there, but uh, I'm whatever. I'm glad they did it. He dropped the ball and now we're getting, talking about a division championship. So I'm totally cool with it happening. 
Um, but yeah, the Texans run defense overall throughout the game. Yeah, not great at all. I'm going to go Laramie Tunsil. Um, Laramie Tunsil, who uh, has been by and large very, very good this year. I think Laramie Tunsil is probably not as good as Laramie Tunsil says he is. He's a really good player, but every chance he gets to talk about being first team all pro, he takes it. He loves to talk about that. And he thinks his run blocking, it gets a bad rap and whatnot. Maybe it does. Who knows? I just know that he false starts all the time. For guys who need left tackle, he had two false starts that short-circuited drives in the first half of that football game. Like one he had on a third down to make it a third and ten, and the other he false started when they were about to go for it on fourth and one to keep a drive moving. Like it's one thing to false start on first and ten, and now you can get out of first and 15, especially when C.J. Stroud's your quarterback. But when you're false starting on got to have it downs, that's horrible. And so I'm going stock down on until he stop until he stops doing it. He's stocked down for me right now, John. And it's not like he was blocking against Dwight Franey. And when the All Pro list right. comes out at the Super Bowl, he may not be on it because they only right. vote. They only vote for four. Yep, that's right. That's right. What's your what's your next stock down, John? My stock down is going to kill me. Fairbairn missing that extra point and. uh Troy Aikman tried to blame it. The snap might have been a little high. The snap was <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. I knew you were going to talk that about this. You didn't like that at all. It was around his head. It was right at his shoulders, and Fairbairn just missed it, and it could have bit him in the butt. But, of course, it didn't. And uh, what a bad time to pick your one miss. But he's, he's had a great season, but uh, that could have cost him the game. Yeah. You know, John, like <laughs> when you miss an extra point like that, like in the fourth quarter, it just sits out there the rest of the game. Like it just stares you in the face as a fan the rest of the game. You know that it's 23 to 17. It just sits there and you're like, man, it should be 24 to 17. I shouldn't have to be sweating the Colts taking a lead on a PAT. You know what I, I wonder too, John? Like if, if Kaimi had made that PAT, and by the way, Kaimi should send a fruit basket to Tyler Goodson for dropping that pass. That's, that's who that's who got off the hook the most. Um, I do wonder, let's say Kaimi had made the extra point, and if the Colts actually did go down and score, if Shane Steichen would have gone for two to try to we'll win the game. We'll never know. We'll never know. Thank God. we don't. It doesn't matter because the Texans are AFC South champs. All right, last stock down for me, John, just I, the, the balance of the wide receiver room other than Nico Collins. Uh, and I, got, I get it. The guys are down right now. Noah Brown is hurt. Robert Woods is hurt. Um, but – they're they're gonna if these guys are still hurt they're gonna have to get something out of John Mechie and Xavier Hutchinson at some point and they're they're calling Johnny Johnson up from the from the practice squad um, they they can't get just these complete goose eggs that they're getting out of these two young wide receivers right now they got to make a play here at some point um, if they're gonna be down receivers for this Cleveland Browns game uh, so I'm stocked down on that right now. Like it just the, the complete lack of production is unacceptable. You know what I mean? Like get open, uh, you know, j- get open a couple times here. You got one of the best arms in football delivering the ball to you. Get open. I, I would have thought, cause Schultz had his catches on that one drive that he and yeah. Brevin Jordan would have been utilized more work in the middle of the field. And, uh, one thing that I did see Matchy do on that play where Nico Collins took that bubble screen and tore down the left side Locking, line and kept yeah. running over people. He went back and thanked Mechie for one of his blocks. Saw Barry had a great block on that too, but you're right. They need more production out of those guys. I don't know. I'm, obvious, I'm guessing they're not just not getting open, and I still think no matter what happens in this game or if they play another one, wide receiver, which is the deepest position in the class, will get another player uh, in the draft. 
You think? You think one of their first go with Collins and Dale. One of their first two picks is going to be a wide receiver. You yeah, think? I think the first one's going to be a defensive lineman because that's what 49ers do, and that's what D'Amico always talks about. Plus, they could lose Grenard, mm. and some of those older guys might not be back. But uh, I think the wideouts, you can get a good one in the second round. You can get a Tank Dell in the third round. But Noah Brown and Robert Woods may not be back. No, no. Mike Evans is a free agent, John. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be happening. fun. A little pricey, but it'd be fun. Um, all right, John. So that's our uh, four stock up, four stock down. We feeling good. What what are, what's our initial gut feeling on the Cleveland game? You and I are going to break it down in two more episodes this week. But initial gut feel: the Browns are a two point favorite in this game. By the way, yeah, I think uh, they'll do a much better job of Mari Cooper because they couldn't do worse. They're not going to get beat up deep on the first play. I think the pass defense will be better. Not sure about the rush, and then of course how much they can protect. protect protect Stroud. And I don't know if Charlie Heck got hurt. He started, but George Fant played a lot. And I looked up in the second half. So I don't know if Heck's hurt or he beat him out for something he was doing wrong. But hmm. I expect it to be a totally different game. And it's hard to beat a team two times on the road. Won't surprise me if the Texans pull the upset. What did you think of uh, – I'm only bringing this up because it's on the TV in here, and I know you got to get out of here. What did you think of Jameis Winston punching that touchdown? Against oh, the- boy. Arthur Smith fired, so it's a moot point. But I'm guessing the way he came over and screamed at Dennis Allen, and Allen, I'm guessing, screamed at Jameis Winston for doing that. A lot of players liked it. But, man, you can't be doing that kind of stuff in that situation, rubbing it in. And Jameis was happy about it. Did you see – you saw the interview after the game in his locker room, John Jameis. God, it was hysterical. Jameis is a gem. (laughs) He's he's an absolute gem. Uh, all right, John, what do you got going on on the website? Was there, is there a report card up right now? Yeah, I've got a report card after the game. I've had two columns since the game ended. Uh, another one today that's posted last night about playing the Browns and what it all means, and I'll have two or three more this week. All right, we got a mailbag that we're going to do tomorrow. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com is where you can send questions. So send some. We, we'll do a mailbag episode tomorrow. Um, we'll do our preview of a playoff game. I can't believe I'm saying that. A home playoff home game playoff, yeah. at NRG Stadium. The Texans are AFC South champions, so we'll be previewing that. Of course, the game is going to be a 3.30 kick, as all the Texans wildcard round games are throughout their history. Um, the early window uh, will be uh, the Browns and the Texans at NRG Stadium. So a couple more episodes this week. We would like it if you click that subscribe button. That's the easiest way for you to get this podcast. John, let me show you my shirt. I like it. I like it. Hell froze over. That's for all you haters out there, all right, that said the Texans – hell would freeze over before the Texans get back to the playoffs. Well, hell froze over over the weekend. Um, John, I enjoyed it as always. Go do your thing on Texans Radio. Thank you very much, John, and I will uh, see you tomorrow, Tuesday, when we record our next one. Next one tomorrow, mailbag episode. Big thanks to our producer, James Jackson, for getting the podcast out to you guys in a very timely fashion. Again, click the subscribe button. You get it automatically. To whatever device it is you listen to the Utopia Football Podcast. So for James and John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will see all of you tomorrow. Mailbag episode. And let's celebrate. The Texans are AFC South champs. Have a great week, everybody.
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Thank <laughs> you.